Good morning. I am not Ben. If you did not read your announcement, I'm Carl Pafford, one of the elders here. And it seems like every couple of years I get asked to preach on Memorial Day. I'm not sure if it's because the anticipate census being low, thus not embarrassing the leadership, or if it's more because I never take Mary and the kids anywhere, so I'm always available. But every couple of years I seem to preach on Memorial Day. This year, I want to preach a little bit on what is your mission? What is your personal mission? And like many things, we all get influenced by things that have happened recently with us. You know, before we go on, and I know a couple weeks ago, Ben talked about our new church mission that came out, which you see up on the wall back there. But I think it's really, really important to redefine what a mission is. If you go online, if you've been through multiple leadership courses like I have, you'll see there's lots of definitions, but they all tend to come back to one thing, and that is a mission defines the purpose of an organization or a person. And obviously today, if we're talking about personal mission, we're talking about the person there. Before we go on, would you pray with me, please? Father God, Lord, thank you again for this Memorial Day. Thank you that we have the opportunity to gather as a group of Christians in your house and worship. Thank you, Lord, that tomorrow we celebrate those people that have gone on before us, that have uh, given their lives for our freedom, that here on a Sunday, instead of being in a a small, dark room, whispering, we can loudly proclaim and speak about your word and what it means to us. Lord, I ask that you be with each one of us, myself and everybody else, as we explore a little bit about personal mission, what it may be for us and how it relates to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, like many people, again, you get influenced by what you've done recently. And for those of you that don't know, I'm an Air Force Reserve flight surgeon. And I spent two weeks active duty down at Maxwell Air Force Base, um, which is in Montgomery, Alabama. And we call it drinking the blue Kool-Aid. They bring you down there as an officer. They send you through training. They re-energize you about what the Air Force is. And when you look at the Air Force and the Air Force's mission, it states to fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. Very succinct, but very direct. To fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. And everything that the Air Force does, in theory, revolves around this mission. When you read it, it seems pretty big. Airspace and cyberspace, that's a huge area. You know, fly, fight, and win. Well, what does that mean? Well, In the Air Force, their guiding principle, their mission is everything we do pushes to this goal. This applies to all airmen, whether you're active duty, reserve like myself, Air National Guard, or the civilians. Anything that you're doing should be able to lead back to this global mission. Yet it's hard to to hit that high-level goal, so the Air Force parses it down. When I was down there, I was at Officer Training School, OTS. What officer training school is, is it trains three classes of officers. The first is what they call line officers. These are the traditional officers that you would think about. They fly, they're meteorologists. Um, They have to go through a course called basic officer training to get their commission. Then there's people like me, professionals, whether they're physicians, lawyers, dentists. They're directly commissioned, and you go to what's called commissioned officer training, or in my case, reserve commissioned officer training, where they kind of introduce you to the military life, but you aren't graduating and becoming an officer, you're already an officer. And the third one's for the Air National Guard, called Academy of Military Sciences. Again, it's similar to the um, officer training or basic officer training. Well, the mission of OTS is to produce world-class officers of a character possessing the American warrior ethos, 
prepared to lead airmen, and embodying the Air Force core values of integrity, service, and excellence. So we've gone down a step from the Air Force. We're now at officer training school where they're training these leaders. They're training officers that will lead the Air Force. That's their mission. Yet it cycles up to fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. If you don't have good leaders, you won't be able to do that. Well, I was down there at Reserve Commission Officer Training Class 2014-2. There were 124 commissioned officers, and we were broken into what's called flight squads, if you were in the Marines or the um, Army. Watches, they called them, in the Navy, where I originally was at. But our flight, Alpha Flight, was tasked with determining a mission for us. What are we going to do? What's our mission as a flight? And Alpha Flight's mission was to graduate commissioned officer training, gaining, excuse me, commissioned officer school, gaining the training and experience to be leaders who make an impact in our units, both now and in the future. And with a mission, you're supposed to pursue it. And sometimes you pursue well this mission, sometimes you don't. As you see on this next picture, Sometimes that mission doesn't accomplish. We were working 04.30 to about 11 o'clock at night, and it was real hard to be on task 24 hours a day. That's some of my classmates who I love dearly. The next picture, however, does demonstrate pursuing that mission that we were doing. That's a ropes course. Started off at zero feet, went up to 45 feet. All the way around, you had a swing, a slide, and the goal of that mission is to train you to overcome your fear. People like me, I hate heights. Absolutely. Ask anybody that knows me. But our, our goal, our training, was to gain the experience and the training to be leaders that make an impact. So that day, we were on mission. The day before, not so much. And finally, taking it down to the personal level, which is what we're going to talk about today, the Alpha Flight FOIC, or Flight Officer in Charge mission. Again, that Flight Officer in Charge, that FOIC, had to come up with a mission statement to submit to staff. And this one was to lead Alpha Flight through integrity, service, and excellence, if you didn't recognize that, the Air Force core values, to a 100% graduation rate at the end of commission officer training. Okay, so now you have an individual mission right there to lead those 15 other airmen to graduation. That graduation leads to leaders. This photo right here may be a little hard to see in the light. That was an accomplished mission. All 15 people graduated. It was awesome. So... As FOIC, it was pretty exciting to see that. So my personal mission was to lead that group through. Well, in the Air Force, they talk about mission integration, and that's what we're going to talk about with the church here in a little bit. But mission integration is when all missions line up. So next slide, please. So starting with my personal mission as flight officer in charge, 100% graduation, that led to leaders that were being trained to make an impact that led to the mission of officer training school. That mission was to produce leaders to lead airmen of character with a warrior ethos, finally to the Air Force, to fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. That's what mission integration is. Everybody's mission, whether it's personal, group, school, what they call a MAGCOM, a major command, all that is geared towards hitting that final goal of what we needed to do. So how does this apply to Christians? Great, he's talking about the Air Force, lovely sermon. It is Memorial Day, so we are acknowledging the Air Force. But how does it apply to us? Well, Christendom, all of Christians' mission given by Jesus to the apostles in that time after his resurrection, but before the ascension. The, the ascension was described in Acts 1. But at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 19 
through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Very similar to that Air Force mission. This is the mission laid out by Christ in his own words that we're to do. Fly, fight, win, airspace, cyberspace. Go to all the nations. Make disciples. Baptizing them. That is a huge, huge mission. And it not only applies to us here, it applies to all Christians. Protestant, Catholic, non-denominational, denominational. In the past, the present, and to the future. Again, we're going to have to parse this back a little bit if we're going to apply it to ourselves personally. So what's Prairie View's mission? Again, Ben did a great job a couple months ago as we rolled out the new mission, which is to make fully devoted, maturing, and multiplying followers of Jesus Christ. Some of the highlights there, fully devoted, people that are sold out for Christ, people that are really dedicated to serving God, maturing. These are mature people, not just Oh, they're mature Christians, but they're endeavoring to mature further. You might start off a baby, but as they talk about, you go through Hebrews and other places how we're to mature constantly, and that's what we're to do here as a church. We aren't to be satisfied with staying where we're at with God, but to move forward. And multiplying, multiplying followers of Christ. Well, if you look back to before, Jesus, the Great Commission, he wants to baptize nations. We need to multiply them. You know, we need to go forward and make disciples. Boy, that sounds like we're fully devoted. Our local church mission ties into the Great Commission. Now, we don't have, aren't part of a denomination, so we kind of skipped, if you think of this as the flight level on the Air Force versus the school level, because we don't have a denomination over us. We're non-denominational. But we have this mission that we're following, but we still need to take it down to the personal level. So my question to you today is, What's your personal mission? Have you even thought about your personal mission from God? A mission is a purpose for something. Our purpose as Christians is to go forward, to disciple, to baptize, to be mature. Have you ever thought about it? If you had asked me two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have said, sure, I've done mission statements both in the job and also with some um, Christian education I've had. And as I've done this study, I realized I really have not defined my personal mission with God right now. Some of you may have. I suspect most haven't because most of us don't think about it on that personal level. So if we're going to fulfill Christ's grace commission, it starts with us. And we really need to define our personal mission, move up to the church and move out to the world. So I can't tell you what that mission is. (laughs) You're going to have to determine it. But I do want to cover some characteristics to help you think about this. The first characteristic of a personal mission is this focuses on the purpose, God's purpose. It doesn't focus on the person. Too often we see in Christianity, a focus becomes centered around one person. Maybe it's a huge ministry like Billy Graham. And Billy Graham is a great example of somebody who's focused on the purpose his entire life. Yet it's easy to look at Billy Graham and focus on the person. Or the glamour of it. You know, suddenly Prairie View's got 850 people in three services and we're building. And, you know, it's all because of Ben and the wonderful things he's done. Ben would tell you that's not his purpose. He would share his purpose with you. We focus on the purpose, not the person. And when I think of somebody that's focused on the purpose biblically, I will tell you it was Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, his purpose wasn't always great. When he was Saul and a Pharisee, His purpose 
was a mission against the faithful. In Acts 9, verses 1 and 2, and this is from the ESV version if you're reading from NIV, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. It didn't say he got up and grandstanded. Now, they're a little bit earlier. It does say that they came and laid their cloaks at his feet, and he approved. But it, there's nothing in there that says he was focusing on me going out grandstanding, look at what I'm doing. His purpose was to persecute Christians. He followed that purpose. But on the road to Damascus, that all changed. When Paul became Saul, he talked about this experience in Galatians. Galatians 1, 15 through 17. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He has just had a life-changing impact. God changes his heart. And you read in that final Uh, Verse, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He hit his purpose running. This was not about Paul. He didn't go in and say, look what God did to me. Look at how I've changed. He set out on that mission trail. And you see throughout the New Testament, Paul, known as an apostle of humility, always giving thanks to God for the grace he was shown. And he said in there, it's not through me, it's through God's grace. Always turning to his purpose. His purpose was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he never wavered from that, from the time he converted until the time he was killed. So when you think of somebody that focused on the purpose, I encourage you to look at the life of Paul. There's lots of information about there. Look at that. The second focus or characteristic of a personal mission is The first is it focuses on the person. The second is God's mission for us may not be our mission for us. And I'll tell you, Samson was a great example of that. Our small group just finished up a study on judges, and one of the weeks was on Samson. And one of the things we learned when you read Judges is there was this cycle that was going on. Israel turned from God. When they turned from God, God got angry. Israel then was oppressed. They called out to them. God raised up a judge then that would lead Israel during this time when they had no king. And leading them, there would be peace. The judge died. The cycle repeats. It's lather, rinse, repeat over and over again. And during this time, Samson Samson was one of these judges. Well, I'll tell you. Not very often do you get a direct revelation of what your mission is from God. In this case, in Samson, he did. In Judges 13, verse 12, and Manoah, who is Samson's father, said, Now when your words come true, what is it to be the child's manner of life? What is his mission? That's what the ESV says. His dad, Samson's dad, is asking, what is his mission to this angel that revealed what Samson was to do. And a little bit earlier in the chapter, um, the angel told Samson's mom, Therefore be careful, drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite from God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. His mission, he's going to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. 
That's pretty awesome if God speaks to you and tells you what that mission is. And I have no doubt, as Samson was being raised as a Nazarite, that his parents told him over and over again what his mission was to be. For those that don't remember, a Nazarite was a commitment that a Jew made to God. And unlike Samson, who was born from birth with this, it would be for a period of time. They were not to cut their hair, eat or drink anything from a vine. So no grapes, no wine. Not to touch any dead body. Not just human, but any dead body. So that was God's mission, revealed to Samson. Well, Samson's mission was not the same thing as God's, unfortunately. Samson broke all three things that, as a Nazarite, he was supposed to do. He went to a wedding celebration. Samson's mission, I'm going to have fun. He drank, drank fruit of the vine. Then he turns around. At one point, he's walking along a trail. There's a dead lion there. Bees were in it. There was honey. You can read. But he touched the dead body to get the honey. He knew as a Nazarite, he's not to touch the dead body. And then the final piece was, if you remember the story of Delilah and how he chased after women nonstop. If you read Judges 13, you will see all the way through there, Samson had a thing for women. Well, Delilah talks him into what will make your strength go away. And he tells her, if you cut my hair, they cut his hair. He loses his strength. He has violated all three things as a Nazarite he was supposed to do. All because his mission was to enjoy his life. He turned his back on God's mission. So what was the end result of that? He ends up losing his life. But in that end, he turned back to God. And his mission was fulfilled when he brought down the temple. And if you were in Sunday school, you remember the picture of Samson pushing on the pillars and it describes it in there. But killing many Philistine leaders and bringing them, the Israelites, back on the path towards what God wanted. But it was only when he turned back to God's mission that it happened. Third characteristic of a personal mission. We've talked about the purpose. We've talked about how God's mission may not be ours. And finally, this mission can change. When you talk about somebody who changed God's mission for their life, I immediately thought of Peter, the apostle. Peter started out when he was following Christ as a disciple, a follower. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And then in verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Peter did great things as a disciple. He did some bad things too, don't get me wrong. But he was the first to acknowledge Christ as the Messiah. When he was with him, he was supporting him. He was at the transfiguration. He heard the Sermon on the Mount from Christ himself. During the first phase of his time with Jesus, Peter was a follower. His mission was to be a disciple, a follower. Yet, Jesus is crucified. And in Acts, at Pentecost, he changes from being a disciple to being an apostle, a teacher, a leader. In Acts 2, 22 through 24, uh, the Pentecost has come, the Holy Spirit has indwelled the apostles. Peter gets out this very uncouth, very blunt fisherman and gives one of the greatest sermons that you will read in Scripture. In a portion of this, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, 
loosening the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is not something he heard Jesus say. This is not parroting as a follower. This is a godly apostle filled with the Holy Spirit, bluntly telling Jews, hey, you knew who Jesus is. You know what he did because of Christ. You guys tried to unlawfully kill him, and God brought him back. God resurrected him. A very brief gospel story. That was his second phase in his ministry. He went from disciple to apostle. But the final phase of his ministry, of his personal mission, was he was a martyr. His example of faith in going to death is an example to all of us about he was not doing it for his glory. We use the term martyr a lot. We might use it around our house a little bit with the kids. since One of the kids may be feeling like a martyr because we ask him to do something. Mary might say, I act like a martyr at times when I'm asked to say dig lilies on a holiday weekend. But... In this case, a martyr is somebody put to death for their faith. Tradition has it that he was hung upside down on a cross because he felt that he was not worthy to be put to death the same way as Christ was. That's not biblical. That's not written in the Bible anywhere. But it's considered common tradition. Jesus' Jesus's follower, who became a teacher of Jesus, who now became a martyr for Jesus, Peter's mission changed. And our personal missions will change, too. I am not the man I was 22, 20, well, actually 25 years ago when I was baptized again. My mission for God, I have no doubt, has changed. Can I tell you what it is? Like I shared earlier, I can't. And there are other characteristics that are out there that we've talked about. But when we look at what the purpose is, to focus on the purpose, and the fact that our mission will likely change in our life as we serve God, we can use that as kind of a a cornerstone as we look at our personal mission. So what can you do? And a good sermon has action steps, right? We've heard it years, years, years in and years out. Ben will tell you that from his teaching. But seriously, what can you do as you look for a personal mission for you? And not just the mission of, I'm going to make a lot of money and retire at 55, but God's mission for you that supports his great commission. The first is focus on the spiritual disciplines. Ben just finished up a series on the various spiritual disciplines. I'll tell you, Prayer is bandied about in the church all the time. Oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, I'm going to pray about this. But if you really sat down and prayed to God to reveal something to you, such as a personal mission, have you had friends and asked them, whether a small group, other Christian friends you know, to please pray for me and not the, oh, I'm going to pray for you, but to dedicate themselves in a time of prayer that God will reveal what's going on? Are you in the Word? Easy to say, hard to do. Do you have a little checkbox that you're checking off? I read five chapters today in there. Or are you parsing that word, looking for God to reveal to you what that mission may be? And finally, probably my least favorite, fasting, which was talked about a couple weeks ago. It works. My dad, when he became born again, has fasted for the last 25 years. I fasted a little bit with a study we were at. It is amazing that things like that work, but they do. I would encourage you to get into the spiritual disciplines. Next step is focus on God. Again, this characteristic of this is about God's purpose. It's not about you. It's easy to try to bargain with God. Well, God, reveal me your purpose, but remember, my skill set is leadership, or my skill set is service or prayer. This is where I need to be. Maybe your skill set's going to be working down the street at third phase, and you never realize it, and you aren't a people person, but that's his purpose in the short term for you. What you need to do is focus on what God has for you. If it feels uncomfortable, I've been told in the past, 
It probably is, and it may very well be from God, because as humans, we like to stay comfortable. Final is to know the gospel. Now, if you don't know Christ, it's very hard to get on to God's mission. Look at Peter. We talked about his three steps, disciple, apostle, martyr. But before that, and you read in the Bible, he was a fisherman, not called by Jesus, had not met him yet. But when he came to know Jesus is when he started on his personal missions that supported Jesus's. Or if you are, if you happen to be a Christian, can you share that gospel? Can you share that good news? Are you prepared for it? Because we are called to go out into the world. Maybe not as missionaries. Maybe it's sitting here in church with somebody that doesn't know Christ. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Whoever it is, can you share that good news? If you don't know the gospel, either personally the good news of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, paid the blood atonement, was buried, resurrected, and sits at the right hand of the Father so that we may eternally be there, or if you know that and you can't share that or feel comfortable doing it, I encourage you to get with the elders, with Ben. There's always elders at the side at the end of the service. You need to be able to do that. You're not going to fulfill your mission if you don't know God and know how to serve him. So, this was a very high-level discussion of a personal mission. But when we think back to where we're to be, if you know God and you want to serve God, And he reveals to you how you can serve here at Prairie View, whether it's directly, indirectly, and how Prairie View then supports the Great Commission. You're doing great. If you're like I feel most of us and don't know your mission, I encourage you, encourage you to seek it out. Will it be life-changing? Absolutely. For the good? Yes. For the bad? Potentially. But we aren't called to sit on the sidelines. Jesus didn't say, okay, you need to raise up a group of people to support people, to go out and do this, and maybe we'll get the world covered. His charge to all Christian men is to go forward to the nations, baptizing people in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching what he taught. So find that mission. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much for all your wisdom and everything that you share with us in your word. And Lord, we know that you have a mission for each and every one of us, and it will likely change and it may not be pleasant, but Lord, we ask that we would be able to be the people that you called us to be, that Jesus himself to the apostles charged us with. We ask God that you would just be with each and every one of us, not just today, not through this weekend, but Lord, through the weeks and the months, and help us to figure out what you have in store for us, for your glory and your honor. In your name we pray. Amen.